0: Good afternoon, Lydia, and welcome to the First Pricing Podcast with the Professional Pricing Society. I'm Lisa Fisher, Director of Key Accounts, and today we will feature our very special guest and member of the PPS Board of Advisors, Ms. Lydia DeLiello, Founder and Principal with Capital Pricing Consultants, LLC. Check Lydia out on her website at www.capitalpricingconsultants.com. And follow Lydia on Twitter, at Lydia DeLiello. Today's topic of discussion is how to monetize your CPQ investment. Hi, Lydia, and thank you for joining us on our very first pricing podcast. We're happy to have you, and we look forward to your pricing expertise.
1: Lisa, thanks so much to you and PPS. I'm looking forward to spending this time with our PPS members and listeners. Uh, it's an exciting talk and one that seems to be coming hotter and hotter as the days go by. Um, So thanks again for the opportunity.
0: Absolutely, and we'll just jump right in. So, Lydia, tell our um, listeners who you are and what do you know about CPQ?
1: Well, Lisa, with your kind introduction, uh, as you know, I started out in the industry 23 years ago. Um, I have been in the manufacturing space all 23 years, I split my time between two, uh, specific industries, automotive as well as customs plastics manufacturing. And during that time, I implemented two different CPQ systems, uh, one for a billion dollar company, which was the automotive company, and then one for a privately held custom plastics manufacturer. And I actually helped design the system that went into place at the billion dollar company. So, uh, I've had experience at multiple levels in the organization with CPQ systems in terms of designing them, implementing them, uh, and then managing them from an executive perspective. So I've, I've seen the good, bad, and the ugly, honestly.
0: I bet. I bet. So talk to our um, listeners, if you would, Lydia, because some may be logging on because they don't know CPQ or some may know CPQ and are looking to find out a little bit more information. Let's start with the basics. What exactly is CPQ?
1: So traditionally, Lisa, CPQ is is just the abbreviation for software systems that allow you to configure a customized product, to price that product, and then to quote it. And so it it's often called many different names. Uh, configure to quote, quote to cash, uh, are some common terms that you'll hear. But essentially, it refers to the software itself that allows those three functions of of configuring, pricing, and then quoting to take place.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Um, Now, you said you had experience in two different industries. In your experience, and I know that there's some um, proprietary information, would you say that your experience in either of those industries was more difficult or more challenging? And I guess I'm just trying to get a feel for listeners that are coming from other industries, what they can look forward to um, when they're, they're looking at these systems?
1: So it's a great question, Lisa, and I would say they were equally challenging but for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, in the automotive sector, because we were dealing with multiple billions of dollars, the the number of transactions as well as the dollar amounts were huge, and so we had to constantly accommodate Uh, processes and systems that could continue to grow and allow for that volume, both of dollars as well as transactions. Uh, And it also meant that when we were touching functional departments to really decide what was most important to each of those functional departments, because when you're going through a configure, price, and quoting system, you've got to talk to all of your functional departments so that you're sure that the processes flow properly. Mm -hmm. Um, It it meant reaching out farther and farther and and globally, in that case, um, to all of the the different functional departments. So in in the first one, it was purely size that drove some of the challenges and the globalness of it. Um, In the plastics situation, it was the product itself that drove the complexity, uh because the product could be configured a limitless number of ways, mm. creating the software around the configuration piece um, and dealing with a very antiquated, um, I'll call it a pseudo-ERP ER, system, which is probably giving it too much credit, mm-hmm. but really provided the challenges there.
0: Okay. Um, just moving on a little further, So, how do individuals generate more revenue and profit from their CPQ systems?
1: So, Lisa, I think this is top of the mind for everyone because whenever a CPQ project is released or signed for, the first thing that the executive group is thinking is, there's a lot of cash to be made, and they're exactly right. You can make tremendous, tremendous increases in both your revenue and your profitability using CPQ, but to me, the, the way that you start from that process is in the definition of CPQ itself. Earlier I referred to the fact that traditionally we call that configure price and quote software. Mm-hmm. And I personally have expanded the, de- the definition to include the pieces of corporate strategy, business processes and policy setting, mm-hmm. and change management. Because to me, without those three directional areas. The configuration and the pricing and the quoting happens in vacuums, and so you may be very proficient at each of those three systems, but if you don't have a business process that flows from the time you talk to that customer, when sales makes that initial contact, all the way through to the time when that customer says, yes, I'd like to buy it, and you can execute your terms and conditions that management has agreed to, you're producing a product that manufacturing can actually sell, mm-hmm. that you know financially is a viable price point to sell at, that finance has agreed to and sold off or signed off on. Um, to me, most failures that I have seen in CPQ have happened because change management wasn't practiced. Business policies and processes were not given the time and the dedication they needed, and there really wasn't an executive-level uh, steering committee occurring to really monitor both at the macro level and at the micro level because you need your executives on board to provide the strategy for the company, but there still needs to be one of those executives that understands When you talk about a specific functionality in the software, how does that affect your project overall? How does that affect the delivery of the quote to the customer, and what does that mean? So you need somebody who can go macro level and then right down to the the micro level where the rubber meets the road. Now, to give you some specifics, Lisa, in terms of how much profit I have seen, Mm -hmm. it can be very, very transformational. I have personally experienced situations where we gained 12 margin points, not 12%, but 12 margin points between pre-implementation and six months post-implementation of a CPQ. Mm -hmm. So there is tremendous, tremendous money to be made. um, But that old saying about the devil is in the details is so very true. And it's the place where I think so many pricers and practitioners aren't given the time and the tools they need to really uh, be successful because they're so focused on just trying to configure the product and define the product, mm-hmm. get get it approved upon price, and then how do they get it out of the doors with old systems and, and trying to move an organization to work with brand-new systems.
0: Exactly. That leads me to another question, Lydia. You mentioned all the um, directional areas that need to have buy-in. In your experience, um, how do you get everybody on the same page? Does it happen at the very, very beginning, and then you do, I guess, meetings to update individuals? Because I know, you know, just in my experience with pricing, pricing has a hard time dealing with sales because their agenda is sometimes different. With something so large, and I'm sure the monetary investment is so large, how do you get everyone in all of the different verticals to kind of be on the same page?
1: So Lisa, that's another really good question, and it's critical to the success project. Uh, in my experience, what we found to be the most effective in both projects was we had a cross-functional team that we established at the very beginning of the project. And so we had a a sales manager, we had a pricing manager, a finance manager. Uh, we actually eventually moved the levels of the folks participating. From management level all the way up through the VPs, because it became so important. But but start at least with your managers in each of your functional areas: so sales, finance, customer service, manufacturing. And that may surprise a lot of people, but I felt very strongly that we had to have manufacturing as part of because as we went through that that painstaking work of finding those business processes policies, if we started setting up policies that manufacturing couldn't support, we needed to know long before we got near any kind of a rollout, but really at the discussion, the starting discussion point, uh, that things could not be supported or how we could work around them and transform them. So my my strongest suggestion to the listeners is get a cross-functional committee together and definitely get support from one of your executives. It has to be really your executive sponsor. They don't have to run the committee. My suggestion is the practitioner is is leading the project, run the committee, but that that sponsor be present and hear the input of each of those cross-functional areas. The other thing that we found really critical, Lisa, was to truly respect the voices that we invited to the table, You know, you mentioned sales and pricing don't often see eye to eye, and that can be a real challenge. And we made it clear from the beginning that if any of those functional departments had a strong opinion about something, we would listen and we would respect that. So when we tried to tell sales, we went from a four-day turnaround on quotes to a two-day turnaround on quotes, and sales said to us, Look, that's not acceptable. My customer wants this within 24 hours. Um, that was really kind of a hard pill for us to swallow. We didn't want to hear that. We thought we were doing fantastic things. We'd already cut it down by 200%. Uh, but we had to go back to the well and figure out, okay, our VP of sales is telling us we've got to have 24 hours. How do we make this happen? And when you listen to the folks that you have invited to participate on your committee, and they get the respect of you addressing their concerns and and answering them. You don't ignore them. You take the feedback, whether you want to hear it or not, and you, you fix it, essentially. Um, it really made the group very strong, and it made us successful from the beginning. Now, in some cases, in some organizations, you're going to have to have your executive lead appoint those people to ensure their cooperation you can certainly say hey I'd really like to have John from finance or I'd really like to have sue from customer service sit on this team but your executive may have to move some of that political red tape in order to get those people for you I see. Uh, mm-hmm. but once that's been established and the organization knows as a whole this project is moving forward and you allow that team to come together Uh, it's tremendously strong in in being very, very effective. Did that answer what you were looking for?
0: It certainly did. And, Lydia, I could go on and on with a million and one questions. But um, where can the listeners learn more?
1: So they can certainly learn more at the Professional Pricing Society, the conference coming up in May. It will be May 3rd through the 6th. I'll be presenting a one-day workshop on CPQ and how to optimize revenue and profitability. And we'll go through in really significant detail some of the things that you and I have mentioned today. We'll talk about ways that they can protect their careers as they go forward and and implement CPQ systems, Uh, because it's always a politically charged event. Uh, We'll go through specifics of how to increase that revenue and profit in each step of the process, and then how they can actually calculate some paybacks. They can also find out more at my website, capitalpricingconsultants.com. Excellent.
0: And also, in addition to Lydia's full one-day workshop, during the PPS 27th Annual Spring Pricing Workshops and Conference in Chicago, There will be, on the Thursday and Friday, separate breakout tracks with one-hour segments on CPQ as well. So if you don't get all of your questions answered, which I'm sure you will in Lydia's workshop, stick around for the remainder of the conference on Thursday and Friday and get some other questions answered. Also, get social with PPS and subscribe to our blog, thepricingauthority.com, and follow us on Twitter and Periscope, where there's always updates on what's going on in pricing and with PPS. At pricing Society. Stay tuned for more monthly pricing podcasts with other industry experts and join us to share and to listen to their best practices and how they've become successful. Lydia, thank you again for your contribution, and we will see you in Chicago.
1: Thanks so much, Lisa. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope all the listeners will join us there.